0: morning everybody and welcome back to another fabulous hank's think tank podcast today we'll uh, be on our musician series support your local musicians and we have today along with my buddy hank peace what's up we have uh mr eric hancock And he plays badass lead guitar for the Reverb Cartel right here in greater Houston and surrounding areas and possibly states. Eric, thank you so much for coming out. Oh, it's
1: my pleasure. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm going to be famous. yeah at least with dozens that's part of the deal yeah you'll have dozens of people will
0: see this and some of them some of them won't even be your friends and family it might be some strangers and stuff involved
2: yeah you never know how it's gonna go um just wanted to mention too as kind of an extension of our last podcast uh mark decided to get me a bottle of revelstoke pecan and it was the one that i liked so much last time this was the christmas one right
0: yes sir oh yeah that was so we're, our
2: big winner so we're going to crack the top on that we're going to get started in a few minutes highly recommended
3: um,
0: by maria there you, there you go. go
2: hey how's maria doing anyway
0: i had not been able to catch up with her no oh,
2: well, she's been off it? every time i go back up there oh i'm working on it yeah you got to work on that all right so uh the reverb cartel and we were talking a little bit before the podcast and and i found some stuff that you were telling me interesting so you started the band how'd you start it man I mean you just decided one day hey it's time to start a band well
1: I I always played in band bands when I was younger and I I, uh, original bands and then I I kinda hung it I got frustrated with that when I was about 40 and uh, went into the working world got actually started getting paid you know got started working instead of trying to be in a band Uh, and I went 10 years A little more than 10 years without even barely picking up my guitar and about four years ago i just started thinking about it i started kind of getting the itch you know i kind of missed it and uh just started thinking about it and i thought well you know am i too old to do this now and and then i was like no who cares i I was i was i said what was what's the worst that can happen is it that's like
0: saying am i too old to have fun anymore right
1: Right. exactly
2: yeah so long as you got your digits and you can still think,
1: man, yeah, you can That's do it. it. That's, yeah. So the other thing I did at the same time I started taking lessons, which I had never done since I was sixteen. I just learned how to play the basics and then just did my own thing after that. So I started taking lessons and really studying the guitar and um, my wife came home one day and I was working on the, uh, the Pink Floyd song Money, the, the guitar solo. Yeah. And she came home and I was, in the, I was practicing it and she made this little video, just this little snip of me playing this. It's like, oh, my husband's a guitar player and put it on Facebook. And she has a friend who I knew but didn't really, hadn't, or I'd met but didn't really know. He's a drummer and he's a guy, similar situation, a guy named Greg Sherman. So he told her uh, if he wants to put a band together, let me know. So I said, what the heck? So uh, he and I got together, and then we added a bass player. And actually, we went through a – I think we're on bass player number seven now.
2: (laughs) Good bass players are hard to find. We haven't –
1: yeah. Uh, But anyway, we just built it piece by piece and got up to a five-piece band and and played out uh, for about a year and a half. And then right before the COVID hit. Yeah, uh, and we we're really getting. We're it's exciting. I mean, we we're getting some cool gigs, and we're really getting better as a band. And and at that time, um, and all of us in the new. We have three new guys in the band, I should say. Uh, after the COVID, we we've, we've regrouped, but we all have regular jobs. We all have families. God. We all have jobs. Yeah, <laughs> we're not. You know, we're at a point in our lives now where we're not trying. It's not like trying. We're trying to get a big record deal. We're yeah. just doing it now. It's differently. It's different. We're doing it because we love music right and we're good musicians and when we get together uh there's there's just nothing like that that feeling you get when you the band is in the pocket Mm -hmm. you know and And the feedback from a live audience
0: that appreciates it
1: oh yeah there's just nothing like it and it's just it's so exciting we're just thrilled so now we're we started to play again we've played three gigs so far we played the the uh, the Antique Festival in Roundtop, mm-hmm. which I never knew anything about never even heard of it uh, and that was awesome <laughs> it was so much they had fun. a lot of
0: people come through that that Antique they show. saved millions yeah. yeah
1: and it's like it's just this whole little city just almost or a community just sort of appears along this highway and it's one shop after another.
0: kind of like it reminds me of Canton
1: with their uh, flea market thing never been to either uh.
2: I don't get out much
1: I stay in the studio and just kind of we need to fix that yeah it'll happen (laughs) so we're going back to dan electro's was uh guitar bar in the heights is where we the last big gig we played before the covid hit and we're going back there in two weeks two weeks from may 1st right yeah i'm gonna go check that out we're so excited
2: and where's it at in the heights it's like east 24th East. thank you yeah thank you
1: it's a residential neighborhood, so yeah. you have to be done by midnight. So oh, you did? Yeah. So wow. we're going to play about, about eight. eight we're going to start about eight eight thirty. That's cool. And then we're playing the Strawberry Festival in Pasadena two oh, weeks wow. after that. I've never knew anything about that. either. That's huge, man! It is. Oh, yeah. I yeah. Heard it is. No kidding. Yeah, I heard huh. that it is. And then the July Fourth weekend, we're going to be at uh, the Jailhouse Saloon. In Old Town Spring, California. cool, beautiful. Yes, yeah, I'm sure place. they can. Yeah, they can go
0: to your website and your Facebook, and oh, we'll yeah. tell you exactly yeah. how to go there. And that's it. a
1: neat place. It used to be in a jail, literally a jail, yeah. like in the 40s or something. And they still have the the part of the original structure. Right. The yeah, we went somewhere. on the uh, cool. my wife
2: and I went on the haunted ghost tour thing. She's into that a lot. Mm-hmm. Spaghetti
0: Warehouse uh, probably and everything. And
2: uh, wow. Spring, yeah, and and it's the pretty good, isn't it awesome? <laughs> yeah, and the jailhouse is part of it. So, really? Yeah, so I got to see it. Yeah, that's going to be a great place.
1: To play. We played there. They uh they gave us our first real gig when we got started in the Reverb Cartel. So we're always kind of uh, feel loyal to them. But they have an outdoor stage and uh there one time we were playing and in the middle of the song, there's like 10 bikers that all turn on their, you know, right? <laughs> we were playing leader of the Pack," <laughs> And there's also, uh, get your motor running, <laughs> uh, railroad tracks. Yeah, that are right, right next there. To that. Yeah. Yeah. So the occasional interruptions. But... Yeah, but that's okay, though. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's a good that's time sad. to do mystery train when that you know, thing starts rolling by, you know? Yeah.
2: And stop. Hey, I got a chance to look, and you've got a, an extensive set. So, your set list is crazy. I was like, man, they know a lot of songs. I think I know three. I know uh, Three Blind Mice. <laughs> That's not on there, man. <laughs> Mary Had a Little Lamb and uh, <laughs> Stairway to Heaven. The Old, old
1: Grey goose. goose.
0: You get kicked <laughs> out if you play goose. it. <laughs> <The
2: old. laughs> That's it. Uh, but, yeah, your set list is impressive. I mean, and Thank what I you. liked about it was that it's from a whole bunch of different groups. Oh, huh. So, I mean, it's... It's all kind of within the same genre, but but it's you know it's got just a lot the blend of stuff. Different, that, it's weird. It's got a lot cool. of stuff
0: that I've thought of and tried to noodle out the melody of like uh, Midnight Rider, Allman Brothers. That's a tough song a, to
2: play. Nah,
0: not the bass lines, not yeah, the bass lines, yeah.
2: Not. But I mean, when you think about that, he had an orchestra there, you know, when they when they recorded that song. Yeah. So that's yeah, that'd be a tough. Willie song
0: Nelson to covered that. Mm-hmm. Really, it was very. Waylon cool.
1: Jennings covered that yeah. song too. That's that's a Widely covered song, really. The version we like is the Greg Allman version, which is a slightly different than the uh, yeah. uh the Almond Brothers version. There's a whole bridge section that's not even part of the original. I'll go find that for sure. It's on the Deluxe, it's something, but it's Greg Allman, not yeah. the Almond Brothers, right. yeah. yeah.
2: Blue on Black, great song,
1: yeah. Yeah, we just uh, picked I, that I, up one day. Yeah. One guy in the, our singer, Matthew. Uh, knew that song and there's only three chords in it. Or yeah, something. it's, it's you not know? hard. <laughs> That's what I love about it. It's three
0: chords. it sounds along badass.
1: And then uh, it's yeah. got an awesome lead that I bet you
0: uh, do. You know how,
1: how we actually do it? Our uh, our keyboard player, uh, Chuck Sweeney, he he also plays a uh, a pretty mean guitar, but he plays the the mouth harp or the the harmonica. Yeah. So when we play Blue on Black, we trade fours on that. He does a harmonica, and then I do the guitar, and we go back and forth. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's really cool hearing a real harmonica in the band, too. It's right. uh, that's, that, that's unique instrument. Yeah. When we did it before, we didn't have a harmonica player, but our keyboard player could program his keyboard to do just about anything, mm-hmm. and he would do the harmonica parts on the keyboard.
2: Well, that's cool. Yeah. So let's talk about your influences a little bit, because okay. I think it's always interesting. Especially, you know, all guitar players seem to have – a different collection of influences at least the ones that i've talked to in the sure. past and uh so you're, how old are you i'm 54 54 so you're a young man yes okay. sir <laughs> so let's talk about your influences 60s 70s i would imagine early 70s
1: well it, it start with my parents my parents listened to a lot of music when i was uh, i was born in 66 okay and my parents uh listened to a lot of motown they listened to fleetwood mac the eagles pink floyd um, just you know, in the seventies, which, by the way, in my view, is the best era of music. Um, Absolutely, yeah. You know, if people would listen to the whole album back then, and, and then even the songs, even the songs on the radio would have solos. And, you know, they were longer. Or, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, longer songs then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: my parents had a real open um, approach to music. They listened to everything, and so I got to listen to everything. So that's how I got even you know all the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, all that stuff. Um, but when I kind of came of age, I, I just picked up the. I started the drums when I was in sixth grade, and then the guitar in seventh. Played them both. I started school.
0: on drums too. Did
1: you really? Before I sucked at guitar, I sucked on drums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when I, I was, just sucked at guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite band, in, like in high school, first I liked Van Halen. I was a big Van Halen guy, but I was never. And play like Eddie, but the when the police came along, that was a band that really really hit me yeah and uh Andy summers is uh a, he's my favorite guitar player, I just love the chords he plays he he's like uh, he comes from a jazz background and he right. plays these exotic chords but the other thing is you know it's a three-piece band and i just loved all the space in the music you know not the big wall of sound mm-hmm. it was like right. so every every member of the band was vitally important you know they wouldn't have been the same without him like I, in my view I sting wrote and recorded some very very good music after the police but it wasn't the police to me, the police was totally, right. totally unique. So yeah, and you can hear the difference absolutely. Yeah. So I liked uh, Andy Summers, I, and also I was a big U two fan. I uh, liked the Edge. I got one of those echo boxes, one of those delays too. I was playing that to a fault. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> and then uh, uh, Lindsey Buckingham was a guy I've always hey, liked Lindsay too. Lindsey
2: Buckingham's talented the dude. People
0: don't know that Fleetwood Mac was a great guitar band. Oh hell yeah! yeah. yeah. They hear their little uh, you know top top 10 hits and stuff but if you get dig down deep it's some
1: really cool wasn't peter green
2: and peter green was in yeah he was and
1: bob welch was in peter you remember him yeah yeah i I think he quit uh fleetwood that was right before lindsey buckingham and stevie nicks which of course were a package deal right when they joined the band
2: yeah, Lindsey Buckingham, when he plays, sometimes it sounds like he's got, like, you know, 14 fingers on one hand. He's phenomenal. You know, yeah, he's great. He doesn't, and he he's doesn't,
1: self-taught. He, he is? Can't read music. Huh. Yeah. He doesn't use a pick, either. No. He's all finger-picking. No. That's nuts. Yeah. But That's now just, another guy in, that I've – David Gilmore. I'm a big David Gilmore fan yeah. from Pink Floyd. But um, back to my guitar studies. uh, And by the way, my guitar teacher is a guy named Glenn Ackerman. He's a fantastic uh, jazz guy. His preferred instrument is the bass, but he he can play anything. But anyway, uh, about a year ago, we decided to... He's like, pick out one of your favorite guitar players, and we're going to study this guy. You're going to learn his solos note for note uh, to the point where they'll become part of your repertoire right that's cool and then we'll yeah. go on to another guy so the guy i picked out was peter frampton and oh my god i've, I've learned so much frampton's underrated you know he yeah. does not get mentioned enough yeah along with the other guys but he's another guy that had it came from a jazz background did he really he sure did and oh. i didn't know that until uh, my, my guitar teacher what we'll do is he'll listen to the song he'll just write it out you don't even have to Really? He's that good. His ear is, is just un, unbelievable. Yeah, perfect pitch. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, he doesn't have perfect pitch. And he'll tell you that. And he'll say, um, I asked him about perfect pitch once. And he yeah. said, you don't want perfect pitch. He said, people that have it, uh, a lot of them, they have, it's annoying. Like it drives them nuts. Like they'll hear a a tire rotating at a certain frequency and it's the wrong frequency or something. I think Vince
2: Gill has perfect pitch and he's complained about it before. Yeah. That's what he he He's another great guitarist by the way. Vince Gill's good. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, man. Yeah.
1: And he's underrated, you know, because because he's
2: got the voice and he can really, he can belt it out, you know, but, but he's underrated as a guitar player, but it, I took some time to kind of check out Vince Gill for a while. Yeah. And I was really surprised. I'm not that big of a country music fan either. But Vince Gill's just really, really good. I like and his I singing. Surprised. I don't yeah, know he's, much he's about
1: it. I don't listen to much. The only country I've ever yeah. listened to really, my, my dad was into Waylon Jennings for a while. Yeah. And uh, Willie Nelson. And this is when we were in Springfield, Missouri. He took the whole family to see Waylon Jennings. This was, would have been in... No, 1980, 82, something like that. And uh, it was a terrible movie. Waylon well, was way into it chemicals was terrible. at that point. He said and, and we all saw it. He couldn't <laughs> uh, keep up with the band. Really? Yeah, he was, he was drunk or yeah, something. Yeah, I went to
2: see Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings once, and he didn't show up because he was hungover. Wow. And I was like, He, was, he had a really
0: a life-threatening episode uh, back in the late 80s.
2: That's too but bad. But he cleaned himself up.
1: He, I read... Uh, at the peak of his uh, excesses he was smoking two or three packs a day a
0: couple of quarts of uh was it gin or yeah something? and
1: a couple of eight balls yeah. every day yeah it's rough he, man i think he developed diabetes and had had his foot amputated or something really yeah he lived a hard life and it caught up to him but you remember that movie that jeff uh Jeff Bridges was in. He played that country and western singer, Bad Blake. Uh, he won the o- I think Oscar so.
0: for it. He had his last gig on the movie was a bowling alley or something. Yeah, and yeah,
1: he, yeah, yeah. That was hard to watch. Great movie, and I, I, the whole movie I thought was that I think that's this is about Waylon Jennings. It seemed like it was about Waylon Jennings. Yeah. And Jeff Bridges in that movie, he sang all the vocals. Uh, right. Really? He didn't write the stuff, but he sang all the vocals. And then when you're watching the movie, you're thinking. Hey, uh, Jeff Bridges, he's got a pretty good voice. He can sing. And then they played one Waylon Jennings song. And you're like, the one about somebody told me when I went to Nashville, son, you finally got it made. Remember that song? Uh, (laughs) Hank. Are you sure (laughs) Hank Hank? got it that way? So when you hear uh, Waylon Jennings sing, you're like, oh, yeah, that's what a big voice sounds like. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It came from way down here. Yeah yeah you well know, my idea of country music and coming up when i was noticing music 12 13 years old was uh well Almond brothers and then leonard skinner just blew it wide open for me that was to me that was country music you know was it well, it was about as country like back yeah. then? yeah southern southern rock. rock yeah and i eventually uh got more into willie and and waylon and merle haggard he'll make you cry so you gotta listen to him when your buddies ain't around, right? <laughs> <laughs> Merle Haggard's
2: great, yeah, or was. Yeah, I don't know, man. My ex wife really liked country music, and I really didn't like her. I can I can understand so, that. You know, I just I couldn't do it. Yeah, I, I mean, so when cute. I was a kid, I was listening to Robin Trower and Jimi Hendrix and Jeff Beck, and you know all those guys. He who turned me on to Jeff Beck. They were major guitarists. Thank you for that. You know, hey, you're welcome, man. Jeff Beck's the shit. You know, Man,
1: he, I just yeah. started listening to Robin Trower. I never knew about him. Oh, really? Yeah. Robin Trower's I amazing. I found out about that guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry to say. I he's still known. kicking
0: and touring and is he? yeah, he's going like, on. Yeah, he's close yeah, man. to
1: 80. He's over yeah. 80, I bet you.
2: Really? I bet he is. And, Boy, he's, and he a, can tear it
1: up. He's got a tone. Yeah. Woo. That yeah. Uh, Univibe is a big part of that pedal.
2: Yeah, Univibe, and he's got a, a half of a, a clothespin. So he took the wooden clothespin, and busted it in half, and stuck it in that univibe. Really? Yeah. What? And, yeah, it's at a certain part, and and it's Come been on. there for years. No, there, it's on. You can check it out on YouTube. Oh. He talks about it all the time. Wow. Yeah, and that's that's where he developed his tone. From. Another thing I read is yeah.
1: uh, I can't. I always get it confused, but the, the distortion pedals usually comes before or after the oh don't uh, even ask
2: me about pathways. well he's no got idea. it backwards the way that it's supposed
1: yeah. to sound awful but what he does is he sets it up that way and then he eqs his amp yeah they usually eq your amp first right and then right. do your pedals but he does it the other way so he makes it work with that configuration it's crazy it for him yeah that's another thing yeah. i just kind of figured got turned on to is that univibe sound Oh yeah, I, they, like I mean, it. David Gilmore uses it. Yeah, I like it. I never, I but back in the day, I always used a chorus, you know, like yeah. Andy Summers. But the Univibe a little different, right? I guess it's slower and it's a little more pronounced.
2: Yeah. So you still use pedals in your in <laughs> your setup? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I
1: saw you stomping on some yeah, stuff, man. Shoot, I, I you know that thing about a pedal board is never finished, I, but I, it's bigger than I even cared to. <laughs> <laughs> it's this wide and yeah. this. You got to make two trips to get it out of the truck. I got an upper level and a lower level, right? And I think there's 14 pedals. That's good. But part of it for me, I've always liked to build things and construct things and a little woodworking, you know, that kind of thing. So I I built it. You know, cool.
0: Jimi Hendrix invented the uh, crybaby wah pedal.
1: He did Did he? Yes, he did. Hmm. Look it up. Huh? Yeah, that's another one. I I never had a wah wah back in the day, and I just got one, and I was like, wow, I should have tried this before. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, they're nice.
1: Yeah. You can overdo it, I guess. But I only play it on a couple of songs. We do Purple Haze. And I don't think he plays uh, Wawa on Purple Haze, but I, I do. <laughs> and I don't even, the solo that Jimi Hendrix plays on the end, I don't even try to, to do it. Even yeah. if he played it perfectly. I just, and my my guitar teacher will tell you, he, he doesn't teach Jimi Hendrix because he has his style of playing. It's a style. It's yeah. a style. Even yeah. Jimmy never played it. The same Same way twice.
0: Yeah, yeah, he
2: didn't. You know, I was watching actually um, one of his live performances yesterday. I found myself with a little bit of time, and I said, okay, I'm going to check this out. And it's just so effortless, man. You know, and he's got... Have you seen his hands? He just had these gigantic hands. Yeah, looks like he could wrap his fingers around the neck twice. George Harrison in the though. same
0: way. It's got these big spotter hands. Yeah, really. You know? Yeah, and,
2: and he didn't play bar chords because he was able to play with his thumb. He'd wrap his thumb oh, yeah. over. He could cover three strings with his thumb. Like, oh yeah. Oh man. yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, <clears throat> they. I just read that in the studio. You know, he had these those two uh, Marshall stacks. You know, with yeah. double stacks. Yeah. Then when he recorded, everything was on ten. Yeah everything and it was so unbelievably loud it was a real challenge to actually record and the people around in the building it was it was a real yeah and also apparently had a pretty open door policy with people coming in and hanging out and partying while he was recording probably some different time
2: yeah incredible you know how different one guitarist can be from another you know the what i always thought was weird is you can take the same guitar be it a Stratocaster, or Les Paul it doesn't matter what it is. Hand it to three different guys, and it's three different guitars.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: easily three different
1: guitars. There's that story playing the
2: same song,
1: all three oh, guys. Yeah. yeah. There's that story that Ted Nugent was uh, on stage with Eddie Van Halen at a sound check, and he was like, "Okay, uh, what's your magic trick here? What's the magic box?" And uh, he picked up his Eddie's guitar and played it, and it didn't sound anything like yeah. like Eddie. <laughs> that's an old thing though it's all in the fingers you know it's all in the the, it's what is it it's not the uh it's not the arrow it's the indian (laughs) a lot of truth to that yeah yeah
2: never heard it put like that but yeah (laughs) yeah i must just be a crappy indian
0: i'm a a, a huge uh, stevie ray vaughn fan so i've got all the tablature on that and i can hit the same notes in the same sequence but it it ain't the same.
3: Mm-mm.
0: Steve Rose so was feeling. He, he was in everything one. he did. He man. was
2: another one that was effortless. Didn't need to look. It didn't matter. You know what I mean? Right. He just mm. played. You know.
0: Amazing.
2: Yeah. And I always beg for one day. You know, I'm like, all right, if I can just go in the music room, sit down for thirty minutes, and get fifteen minutes of badass out of it, just for me. Yeah. Not for anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be awesome. Never happens. There's always a mistake. It always sounds like shit. Well, we're I have on the... my Facebook a few videos. Yeah, but you did great. <laughs>
0: All right, take 32.
1: Let's try this one more time, man. <laughs> There's a story about um, Stevie Ray Vaughan. They went on tour with Jeff Beck. Uh, about, they sure did. I saw him. And they're, one of the members of one band was talking to the member of the other band, and the, it was Jeff Beck's band, and they were kind of uh, like, man, we're worn out. We've played like... We've been playing almost two months, or right? we played uh, two shows a week, and the guy in Stevie Ray Vaughan's band said, so, "Man, we play like uh, three hundred shows a year,
0: <laughs> right?" <laughs> Nothing. Wow.
1: What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, double they, and, bills too. And they say there's another story about Stevie Ray that. Uh, uh, he played he played real heavy strings. Thirteens. Yeah. Thirteens. Can and you imagine it that it was it's like a log. And you think of all that string bending that he was doing, it's just his cutic his fingertips yeah. couldn't he couldn't was take down him. a half step though. That's what it. and that supposedly his guitar tech was the one that suggested that, just to ease up. But supposedly when his uh fingertips would, would come off, you know, the calluses would come off, they yeah. would super glue. Yeah. yeah. Ah, have you heard ah, that story? Yeah, have that they would super glue his his callus is back onto his fingertips. And there's one video out there um, where he's talking uh. to the crowd, and he holds his hand up, he's holding the pick, and you see all his fingertips just like, oh, God. <laughs> they're they're just gnarly. The look, they look black. Yeah. You know, like they're yeah. dead or just something. Just gnarly. And with all that yeah. string bending on those heavy strings. I guess he had big hands, though. He was like Jimmy Hendrix, I guess meaty, so. Meaty meaty. I have never really well, noticed He didn't
2: them. really look like a big dude, so I don't know. No, that's you know, true. He was a little guy. Was he? Well, yeah.
0: Yeah. But I had a, a poster of the Beatles when I was a kid, and I noticed, I mean, you couldn't help but notice George Harrison's big old massive hands in the photograph, and so every video I've seen of them is like, no wonder, man, he just effortlessly reaching across five frets. With yeah. Her,
2: you know. yeah, just a stretch. Eddie Van Halen had a crazy stretch. I think he had a seven-fret stretch is what they said. Uh-huh. I don't see how that's even possible, but
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, no matter how
2: high you go right yeah i mean that's crazy yeah you
1: know Boy, but, that hit me a little bit when he passed last yeah. year. it
2: was it sucked yeah you that, know, because that's i didn't see that never, coming man i thought he was best
1: all that cancer yeah, stuff i thought he was too yeah what a loss you yeah. know i just saw um remember hard days night you're talking about the george harrison remember that movie the black and white oh yeah um I've i got just, it <laughs> i just saw that again i remember seeing that 30 years ago and how funny it was. I'm mm-hmm. just talking It's a hilarious movie. Well,
0: their, their, their big influence was uh, Peter Sellers, who was even more huge in the uh-huh. UK than he was uh-huh. here back then. And Monty Python type stuff. And so they incorporated a lot of that in there. Mm. They wrote hard days night. in one day, because they didn't have anything that they wanted to overlay the opening credits. Yeah. Or even a, a title. Isn't that something? So Lennon McCartney got together and said, all right, crank this up what do you think of that it works and that's our title
1: really genius comes yeah, in crazy. End, that's crazy man there's a scene in the movie where a reporter is talking to Ringo and she says are you a mod or a rocker and he says I'm a mocha and, and I remember thinking you know what in a, I think they got that in uh Spinal Tap there's a reference to a Spinal Tap a Spinal Tap it's a great movie man <laughs> It goes up says, to 11. Where he's playing the piano and he says, uh, I'm heavily influenced by Bach and Mozart. And, and simple intertwining melodies. And, uh, it's kind of a mock piece. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where right. they got it from the Beatles. And what's the name of that song? Uh, this is this one's called Lick My Love Pop <laughs> Yeah, right. Every, I tell you, every musician I know quotes Spinal Tap. Yeah, Everyone. We, all, we love it. Oh yeah, we every all, volume goes up to eleven. These go to eleven. <laughs> well, wouldn't it, why don't you just put them all down to ten? Wouldn't they all be the same that way? Uh, these go to eleven. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not going to change his mind. <laughs> Nigel,
1: what, I think that was Nigel. Yeah, that movie is one of those movies that's almost the quoting it from it is mm. almost funnier than the the movie.
2: Yeah. So back to the cartel. So you got a five-piece band yeah how hard was it to put together five guys that mesh
1: that work because i've watched well, your youtube videos progress, and apparently. yeah i've
2: watched your youtube videos <laughs> yeah. y'all sound great so i mean that's hard to do
1: it is hard yeah. um uh, because you know back to um you know we're not trying to get a record deal and get rich and famous so it's kind of if you're trying to do that you can put up with. Some guys that have some issues, you know, if they're talented right. enough. But now we're doing this for joy. So you you have to get a met, the right mix of guys that all get along. And um, I would say we're all fairly laid back. Um, Personality-wise, we don't sure. have anybody in the band that's a big egomaniac. That and, comes or, with age too, though. I think, yeah. yeah, yeah. But we've had we've been through a few of those guys too. Madonna, uh, so. Yeah, we've had guys that have come in and we they, they were real talented and or felt like they had a lot of potential, and then they try to take over the band or try to you know just derail everything. It it, it it's always been hard to find uh, the right mix of players, you know. Because being in a band is um, more so when you're younger and you're it's you and me against the world, but you're, it's kind of a marriage, you know. It's, sure, it, you have to be able to uh, you have to be able to leave your ego at the door because um, you know you, if we, we're we really aspire to play these songs um, not just as well as as we can, but or as well as they do on the record, but we're we're not trying to be the band that sounds exactly like the record. We, right. we want to sound like us playing that song. And um, even though we didn't write the music that we're playing, not yet, we do have original stuff that we're going to yeah. get to. Um, you know, we, we're putting ourselves into the our interpretation of how these songs are played. And, and like on the guitar point of view or perspective, I sometimes I'll play the lead the way it is on the record. Sometimes I'll just play a little bit of it and do it kind of, you know, improvise you know that's where we put ourselves into it but we we take a lot of pride in in the work we put into it and you know we hit our marks and we we endeavor to to knock people out you know when they come and see us and it's been it's been really really great you know the people are that have come get into it and they we seem to be able to project the feeling that we get to them there's an energy there right Mm -hmm. you know yeah it's got to feel good yeah yeah, yeah and the songs that we pick the other thing is like and this has been an interesting uh thing for me because back in the day we only played our own music you know we wrote all our own music and yeah i used to look down my nose at cover bands you know so it's like i'm an artist and i'm playing my own music and all that but now that i'm doing it i have a completely different perspective because now you know when you play your own music and you write your own music you're in a bit of a or you can be in a bit of a vacuum where you you know you're writing your own style, your own thing. When you play cover songs, you're looking at songs that whoever that guitar player is, or or bass player or drummer, they've probably put hundreds or countless of hours into getting that part the way it right. is. Right, and then the and audience it, has their, their expectations. O- the too. audience has heard it before, so if you don't play it, if you don't do justice you know to the integrity of that part you're doing a a disservice even more so for tribute bands oh yeah yeah then you it's you even have to dress like them and everything Mm -hmm. but the other thing that's been so exciting as a guitar player is i'm learning all these new techniques and styles that i never even dreamed about before everything from country style licks to there's acdc stuff different picking you know i'm studying uh peter frampton but yeah. all these different styles that I never mm. knew about, and and it was really uh, I, I I should have been doing this when I was doing the original music, is learning all these other things. But I was just focused on my the thing I was trying to do. You know, I wanted to do something different. I didn't want to uh, compete with all these other you know these these shredding right. guitar players. Yeah. It was never my thing. There's
2: a lot of those out now too. Well, there there always will be. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: But now I have a whole different approach uh, to the guitar. I'm I'm honest, putting an honest study of the craft and learning the harmony and learning the how it all works together, you know, how it works together. Like music, to me is is really a language. You Absolutely, know? you can write it, you can speak it, you can. Some people can understand. You can it yell it, it you can whisper it, can it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a language, and it's it's such it's Definitely. so steeped in the history and how it all came together. You know, like. Uh, my guitar teacher will tell me that blues players are what really changed a lot of things in in how music is heard. Because if you go back to the way music was written originally, the, the from the intervals to the keys to the scales to the note selection of the chords, there's a specific thing. You can do this and you can't do that. Right. Well, then blues players came along, and they started kind of break- yeah, breaking some the, minors and some yes, sevenths in there, yeah, and and, yeah. Hands wow. and Modes. all these things. Yeah, and they really changed the way that we heard music and understood it, and mm-hmm. they affected us uh, as listeners. That now we heard it enough that it became these things. There is a you know, it's it's a language and it's black and white, but there's all these gray areas. You oh, know, yeah. like Eddie Van Halen would say, "If it sounds good, it is good." Yeah, and that's it's it. True, mm-hmm. that's bottom line. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think the the blues is it gave birth to rock and roll. You yeah. know? absolutely. So and country to a lesser degree, I guess. And uh, um, <clears throat> but back to the songs that we picked out, we we didn't want to be that band where, um, like I used to think of a cover band as they're playing all the hits and everybody's happy and you know, right. They're, they're pandering, not, not pandering, but. Uh, just playing all the hits taking and the easy way out for sure we don't never wanted to do that we wanted to pick out songs that we liked you know that we liked when we were growing up and um when we were younger and in those eras and uh maybe that weren't the number one hit but maybe it was a, on the record it was a minor hit right now we do like money by pink floyd that was that was a pretty big hit i guess yeah um, we superstition do superstition that's a tough
2: song to play i tried it's, oh man, yeah man, damn man,
1: we have so much fun playing that song yeah it's it's cool our, our um our drum our, our drummer plays just on the back of the beat on that it's so mm-hmm. cool it's right in the pocket and our bass player is just phenomenal just the groove is just right there with those two guys and we love playing that song that's the backbone of the whole thing right there yeah bass and drums yeah so
2: do you ever get any people come up and go hey you know you tried on this song but it just didn't didn't make it I mean do you get any harsh people well you know
1: my wife will tell me occasionally when I play a song uh, that we were working on in rehearsal you know that's before we played it to the public but not really not no I mean, so we're, pretty kind we're pretty critical among ourselves i mean we we have uh songs that we we don't want to play a song until we feel like it's really we can nail it you know knock everybody yeah. out and we've we've also uh picked up a couple songs and we played it for a while and didn't quite get it like uh you remember walk on the ocean by toad the wet sprocket yeah really yeah. beautiful song and we almost had it and <laughs> Um, we decided uh it just wasn't quite <laughs> cutting it but we had a pretty neat approach chuck our our uh, keyboard player he also plays mandolin yeah and uh, so we tried it a couple of different ways and great song but
2: keyboard's tough too i tried that for about 15 minutes and i was like nah I don't have the right hands for that. Yeah, I, I had the
1: same experience. I did that also uh, back in way back in the day with a harmonica. I was like, hey, I'm going to learn how to do the harmonica. So I, I tried bought, that too. I bought, I bought a harmonica. <laughs> and I bought deal. the book. Yeah. And I tried it for about a week and I was like, screw this. I was yeah. trying to be
0: Black Oak, Arkansas, you know? Yeah. And it just wasn't happening on that little C chord thing, man.
1: I thought yeah. you just blow in and out, but you got to make your tongue like that oh, you. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and you're making your bends and your. your bend in it. And. But one thing about the harmonica, if you're playing a harmonica, in, in the, if you have the right harmonica for the key of the song, every single note you blow in or out is in the key. Right. So you can't exactly
0: make <laughs> right. a mistake. Every note fits kind of... Well, I can make
2: mistakes. I can prove well, it. You know? yeah, okay. Check out That's Aerosmith's
0: sure. Honking on Bobo. Bobo is the harmonica. Yeah. And that is a great album, by the way. Huh. Honking on Bobo. Yeah.
1: I, I remember... The name mm-hmm. I I love Daryl Smith too Me too Steven Tyler man he could
0: I've only seen him one time and it was a complete downer man really? throughout the 70s they were one of our heroes you know yeah. So I was married the first time <laughs> and <laughs> we'll get into that Daryl in <laughs> Smith was coming to town in 1984 maybe 1985 and so we boog on down to the summit and it was going to be so great it was so dead and lifeless and uninspired really that even me i thought are you ready to get out of here i think we did leave early wow, wow. it was awful and yeah. i read later years ago probably that uh they were in some going through some heavy motions with a lot of drugs and alcohol and yeah. we doing good just to show up in one place at that time so mm. too bad yeah and then four or five years later they're on top of the world again
1: you know janie has got a gun and everything, oh yeah so you figure if you're a you know rock star and you're on tour, um, you don't have to think about anything other than being on stage when it's time to play. You know your your meals are provided for you. And there's all kinds of booze and you know everything. The you don't have to do everything anything. is catered. All your equipment's going to show up and be in tune. Somebody's going to get you up out of your bed if you're asleep. You know all those things. You could see it would be easy for a lot of people to you know you're treated like that where sounds
2: great to me yeah, yeah shoot
1: that's like every teenager's <clears throat> boy's dream you know to be a sure. rock star and go on tour but it's i think it's hard for a lot of people i don't know i never really did it we we did <clears throat> we did two shows with when i first moved to houston in 1988 I was with the band i was in and there was a band here called king's x that kind of they kind of took us under their wing and uh, we we rehearsed in their room and th- those are the three of the nicest beautiful guys you'll ever meet in your life and one of the best rock bands ever just phenomenal um but we played two gigs with them on the road we went to Jackson Mississippi and then we went to uh, Pensacola Florida that was my <laughs> only real experience on being on the road with that one trip though we did we went back to Springfield Missouri couple of times to play there and then when we were in uh pensacola we we uh, did this radio promotion with him i was trying to think i was thinking you might ask me what was the what was the oddest thing that ever happened to you oh it's <laughs> <laughs> coming yeah so i was thinking i yeah, came up hear? with one story we, we went on we did this radio promotion with king's x and we were in the booth i guess we'd call it that with the uh dj and uh he had us each band pick out a song to play and then introduce the song. So we picked out Shoot to Thrill by uh A C D C and I was the one who introduced the song. And I had we had had a couple of beers before we got to the uh <laughs> got to the radio show. So the first thing I did, I said I was Jeff. That was the drummer in the band. I said, I'm Jeff from <laughs> You know like that was a big <laughs> funny joke. So it said this is Shoot to Thrill by A C D C and the name of the radio station was like I think it was TK101 or something. And I got when I said, uh, this is Shoot to Thrill by ACDC on I was going to say TK101, and I got kind of fumble mouth. I was TK, Tiki, uh, Tiki. And the week before, I had been to New Orleans for the first time, and I saw a restaurant. The name of the restaurant was Takey Audi. So I, when I got fumble mouth, Tiki, Tiki, Takey Audi. That's awesome. <laughs> that was my big moment in, oh, the, man. in the sun. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> so you ever have any of those now when you're performing just kind of forget where you are or or uh you know end up in one part of the neck you're like skip a verse I've done oh, <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> you know?
1: we have a joke in the band there's there's like um they, they say there's three mistakes that you can make and we added a fourth one the first mistake <laughs> is only three yeah the, well they're in groups the first one is the mistake that you make that only you know Okay. And then there's the second level is when you make a mistake and the rest of the band knows. <laughs> and then the worst one is when you make a mistake and people out in the audience right, know. Right, But right. we added a fourth one, and it's my guitar teacher. You make a mistake, and he's the only one that knows. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he'll tell you about it, too, bro. <laughs> yeah. He came to a rehearsal once, and we were playing uh, Superstition, and um on the part where it goes, when you believe in things that you don't understand, you will suffer. That part. Yeah. So I'm playing these seventh chords, and uh, the keyboard player is playing something like a seventh chord, but there was one half step off in one of the notes that he was playing against one of the notes I was playing, and none of us knew it. <laughs> none of us had ever heard it. And he came to a rehearsal and uh, said, hold on a minute. Uh, play what was are playing? It's like, it's like yeah that's off you're a half step off there and we're like oh god well wow. and then he showed me how to play the chords the way mm-hmm. they're supposed to be played and i, I tried it for a while <laughs> <laughs> and then okay, fell it, back into your, up. yeah that's another thing with uh uh playing back to cover music all these different chords that i never knew about these chords yeah i mean uh a lot what? of inversions. Of yeah, think, yeah, like one of the new songs we play is I'll Be Around by, uh, I think it's the Spinners. Mm-hmm. Whenever you come in, A beautiful song, be, man. I love yeah. that yeah. song. Yeah, and the chords song. are so simple, but I've never played them before. It, there's only three chords in that song. Yeah. And they're really hard. <laughs> the way he plays it on the record, I came up with a way to play it slightly different that I can handle, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like guitar is like golf. You know, no one ever masters golf. You know, even Tiger Woods, any of those guys, no yeah. one ever masters. He needs to master it. driving and shit. No one ever masters golf, and very yeah. few people ever master the guitar. There are masters out there, but yeah, I think
2: I think Joe Bonamassa's one.
1: Yeah, oh, he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he he's gave awesome. me a pick
0: used by Joe Bonamassa. Yeah, and I'm afraid to play with it. <laughs> put it under glass yeah it's play a little it, bitty Some play, so. you know? huh? yeah. play it and hope
2: for the best yeah, you know play it and hope for the best it
0: might wear off on I me mean. uh, yeah there you go
2: <laughs> you know i heard a story and i don't don't i'm not sure where this came from but and maybe it was a movie i saw or something i don't know but they say every time a great guitar player dies he's able to give his gift before he dies to another guitar player. Really? Yeah. You, have you ever heard of Frank Marino?
1: Frank he, Marino. Frank Marino. He's, he's Canadian. Rush? Yeah, Frank Marino
2: on yeah. Mahogany Rush. Frank oh, yeah, Marino's... Yeah. Boom, boom, got go, go the line. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. Okay. You know, that was a while back. He's an awesome, awesome guitar player. Really fast, really badass. He claims that when Hendrix died, he got Hendrix's talent, you know. Mm. And uh, that was through an acid trip well, that's and some other <laughs> stuff, too. Convenient but, claim to make. Know? Yeah, but, I mean, Frank Marino's awesome. And if you watch him play... They're really kind of similar. It's weird. Hmm. You know, it's really it's really kind of weird.
1: People say that about but, Robin Trower, too. That yeah, he Trower's plays like... Same. He does like, play uh, like,
2: like Hendrix. Mm. Yeah.
0: I think you have once-in-a-generation type talents that just blow everybody away, and they have a style that nobody's ever yeah. thought of or even tried.
2: Nobody plays like Jeff Beck. Nobody, Mm-mm. and he he put the pick down years ago. Oh yeah, too. he threw that some bitch away. He mm-hmm. don't need that stinking no. pick. Yeah. He uses that whammy bar all the time too. Yeah. Oh yeah, it stays in his hand. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's crazy. Right. Yeah, you're right. He's Talk got about all feeling.
0: He bends. Mm. You know. Talk like, about feeling in every note. He mm-hmm. has a. Uh, he yeah. does somewhere over the rainbow. Oh man, listen to it. Don't be around your buddies.
2: But, you might get a little. Misty. You know, like like his whole <laughs> Wired beautiful. album, Jeff Beck Wired. Yeah. If you listen to the those compositions are amazing, mm-hmm. man. I mean who put all that together? It had to yeah. be him. Well him and you know? uh
0: Jan Hammer, which is a big uh jazz guy. Him? So that's where a lot of that influence is. He got tired of playing the regular old blues and, and uh funky house stuff. And uh Jeff Beck said,
1: There's more
0: out there and I'm gonna find yeah. what it is. You know? What
1: what I like about him? which i also like about david gilmore and peter frampton is every note that they play is for a reason yeah there's no there's no fillers in there yeah and with peter frampton one thing i've learned about him is he really improvises a lot like one of my all-time most beautiful guitar solos i think ever played is on you remember lines on my face on that uh uh frampton comes alive yeah yeah uh Every solo in that in that song just tells a story, and it's just also so deliberate sounding. But when you see YouTube videos of other performances, he never plays it the same way. Right? And it's like God, yeah. how do you do that? Because it, it's you know it's a story. That song is about this agonizing story about his wife, or who's sleeping with everybody in town. Right. And the solos, the <clears throat> the first one, it's like I swear this is what I hear. The first there's like three big solos or four. And the first one is like, it's the guy is like, suddenly he's like, he's front, he sees his wife with another, he's like, he doesn't believe it. It's like in disbelief. It's almost tentative. And then the next one is anguish. You know, he's really accepting that what's happened. Oh, my God. And it's agonizing. And then the third one is anger. and yeah. it, To me, that's the way it sounds. Yeah, on the- right. He's speaking to me like that. And I think, how does a guy... Improvise and do that, you know. But he's on another level, you know. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. those types of guitar players, they really are. Yeah, they're, they're on another level. But those, the other thing that I've come to realize is, is you know what I always say about the, they always talk about the ten thousand hours. You know. The, oh yeah, it's it's really true. You think it's true? I do, I, and I think that's how those guys. But get, I'm never gonna make it. So I'm never gonna make it time either. Time. I never. I was never that guy yeah. to practice all the time. But that's yeah. how those guys do it. Is they're just playing their guitar yeah. all the time. They
2: said Eddie Van Halen didn't go party with his friends or nothing. He mm-hmm. just sat at home mm-hmm. on his bed and just played. They said when he was yeah. on yeah. tour,
1: he always had his guitar. Yeah. On.
2: Hendrix was the same one. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've
1: heard that too. Eighteen hours a day. Can you imagine that? Yeah. I mean, I can't do that.
2: I, <laughs> I got to eat. I got to do other stuff. It's mow.
1: not accidental. <laughs> you it accidental. I remember. You remember Lance Berkman played for the Astros. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, was he in the Hall of Fame? I don't think so. Okay. But he. One of the killer bees. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. I heard him on a radio show once, and they're asking him, you know, is it, uh, is it natural ability that got you to the major, major leagues? And he said, it's not natural ability for anyone that gets to the major leagues. He said, when I was in. Uh, when I was grown up, my dad was having me take 500 swings against a, a heavy bag in the garage on each right handed and left handed. Wow. 500 swings. Every day, and he said that's how people get in the major leagues. It's yeah. it's that. It's putting that kind sure. of work into <laughs> it's all it. that work. But you know, if you're doing that, or if you're doing nothing but playing your guitar your whole life, you know, what about the real world and people and stuff? You know, I don't know. Well, you know, a lot of guitar is, give that up for a while. Guitar you know?
0: is muscle memory, so over and over mm-hmm. and over and over and over again. You know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which brings
2: me to practice. You know, I had a, a guy tell me once. He said, "You know, if you don't practice perfectly, you can't ever expect to be perfect." And so, if you practice your errors and practice your mistakes and and practice your laziness at the guitar, then you get real good at a, your mistakes. Yeah. yeah, you'll be awesome at it. Right? Yeah. You know. I don't and know it how scares, many. It scares the crap out of I me. It's know. like every time I play, I'm like, "Oh God!" You I know don't know, know how many
0: songs I thought I had pretty close, and I show somebody, and they go, "Oh no, that's a G." Yeah. No, no, that's not a G right there. Oh, yeah, it's a G. Listen to it again. You're supposed to hit it here. You mean I've gotten real good, so so proficient <laughs> at this screw up that I can't play it any other way now. Yeah,
2: and and you're hearing it right.
1: It sounds right it's to you. Good to me. Yeah, one to him. I yeah. I asked my guitar teacher one day, "How do you? What's a typical practice session for you?" He's the first ten or fifteen minutes. He puts a metronome on at like only seventy or eighty, very very slow. Yeah. And plays quarter notes along with the metronome, and I'm like, "What? You're like an accomplished, you know, wor- world-class bass player. I, you got to do that? Yeah, you got to go back to the bass. He's like, man. every time I practice, that's how wow. I, I start off with just you, every single note. I have to hit right on the rhythm, and then you subdivide it, you know, right that kind of thing. It's like, wow, yeah, golly." <laughs> Well, I gotta, I gotta work. I gotta go. go yeah. <laughs> yeah, come home from work. And... I get warmed no, I up. I did and... spend
2: a ton of time just running the pentatonic skill. You do? Yeah, yeah, I did for maybe a year. I'd come in, I'd spend an hour a day just, just running pentatonics, and I got great at really it. got great at it. But I got great at it. That's yeah. it. Who yeah. the hell wants to hear that? You know, blah 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 blah. And wants, you know, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I can play it, but it's not music. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that you have to, when you practice, you have to practice all the basics and make sure you get that down. You got all the fundamentals. Yeah, that's right. And then after that's that, right. you got to also practice. And you you got to challenge yourself. Yeah, you got to get out there. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah. yeah, I just don't have time for it anymore. And it sucks. Right. I love playing. I just don't get a chance to do it like I did.
1: You know, it's all about the fundamental. I remember that from high school football, you know, that coach would be like, you have to practice like you're going to play. Yeah. Practice has got to be like the game. Yeah. It was intense practices.
2: So how much practice time do you have? Being that you're playing all the time, I mean, I would think you'd practice more often just to make sure. Well, you get have
1: rehearsal, time. that's for sure. But you're Rehearsal about- is once a week, generally, and um, on a weeknight from usually about – we start at 7.02 p.m. Uh, 702 two. yeah yeah don't I'm you always, be rolling in here at 703 yes, that's right. just my own thing i've always felt like the, what the hell's the matter with you where people say i'm gonna meet me at 6 30 well what about six twenty eight? i feel like the other parts of the <laughs> clock are on you know they don't get their dues so there you go <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're so right we rehearse generally from about 702 to about 10 30 11 once a week and um you know, we we pra- practice is what you do by yourself. Rehearsal is when you get together right. with the band. So we learn the songs that we pick out that we're going to do, and everybody shows up and we hammer them out. Um, and uh, when uh, when the th- the three new guys got in the band, one thing we did is we wanted each of them to contribute um, some suggestions for song. We wanted to get them represented in the new you know the music that we do because we had yeah. we had a, a three sets with the old band but we want to feature the strengths of the guys that are in the band. So we Did wanted... they
0: come one at a time or as a group from another
1: another gig? Pretty or... much one at a time. Um Robbie our bass player, uh he came with the singer that we had for about um, 6 weeks. Um and then he he didn't work out, but we wanted Robbie to stay. He's a phenomenal bass player. Um and Greg and I have been in the band the drummer, uh been in the band from the beginning. So uh, and then Matthew, our new newest singer, he, we got him from... There's a website called Band Mix, which is like a classified ad website for bands. Looking for work, yeah. looking for a drummer, Yeah, So I cool. found Matthew on that. Uh, and we came, He came out and we, we love the way he sang. And then he knew Chuck uh, Sweeney, who's our uh, keyboard guitar uh, harmonica player. He knew him from 10 years ago or a band that he played with him a long time ago. So he brought him along. So that's how the newest configuration came about well, that's cool and chuck uh marathon music he's a, a manager he manages like uh, country acts and stuff so he's kind of connected in the industry so we're starting to get some actual gigs that pay us money
2: oh, there you go <laughs> that's a new thing what a concept <laughs> there you there, go. there's an
1: old joke about um a musician is uh a guy who crams 2500 dollars worth of gear into a 1500 hundred dollar guitar drives 50 miles to play a gig for 25 yeah, that's yeah. right That's <laughs> right dude yeah.
0: yeah exposure man gotta find that exposure man
1: that's another thing because back in the day i had um we were playing kind of hard rock type stuff and i had at one point i had four amps you know two i've always had this uh beautiful uh 1963 fender super reverb that's my amp i've had since i was 19
3: i had that Still got it Oh yeah, oh Oh, yeah. yeah. You got a
1: Vox too, right? Yeah, and I I had the Vox AC30, and this is where I'm going with this story. I used to haul around all this equipment, you know, and when I was in my 20s, now I'm in my 50s, and man, the next day I am just worn out. Yeah, who wants to pick (laughs) all that up? So I, I I still really, really like two amps because I like stereo effects. Uh, So I had the Vox AC30, which was the amp I always wanted, and it's beautiful amp, but it weighs 75 pounds. And the Super Reverb weighs 75 pounds. My pedal board weighs 30 pounds or 40 pounds. So I, I downsized a little bit to the Vox AC-15. But also, uh, I've got uh a, a, a amp doctor, a guy named Mike Freitas, who can do just about anything to uh, guitar amplifiers. He took my... I've done a bunch of modifications to that Super, which a lot of people will say, oh, you can't do that. That's sacrilege. You can't yeah. doctor an amp like that. But uh, he's done a power reduction. You know, that amp is so loud. I mean, you know, an old Fender, any, you know, Fender tube amp, you got to crank it up to really make those tubes work and make it sing, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's supposed to. And that super is so freaking loud. It just blow everybody out of the room. So I had him do a a power reduction, a couple other uh, modifications to it to make it really, really sing. But I also had it, and this is one my, uh, I have an old friend, Who's a guitar tech for the, the, the cult out in LA? And he says this is absolutely you can't do this, you shouldn't have never done this. I had him rewire it to its in stereo. So the two speakers up and down on the right side on the vibrato channel are one is one side and the and the other channel is another side. So in theory I could just use that one amp, but I still bring the other one. <laughs> but it's a it's a sweet, sweet amp. Oh, I absolutely yeah. love it.
2: I bet. Yeah, it sounds like a nice box.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I'll have it till the day I die.
2: So how'd they go about doing the power reduction? You know, because Eddie Van Halen started working on yeah, that. That's old, yeah, that's
1: an st- old story about him. Yeah. And um, with the Variac, right? He yeah. Would, <laughs> he would reduce yeah. the voltage. He said he electrocuted the shit out of <laughs> yeah. himself a bunch of times. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of <laughs> so people got their hands blown up. Yeah. Good. Because he said something, I think that, excuse me, that wasn't entirely factual about how he did it, and people blew up their amps. Oh yeah! But he did. Um, it takes six. I think it has three six L six tubes. He put in six V six tubes. Okay. Which is um, I don't exactly know how it works, but he also did a on the ground switch. Which is not you don't you don't need it anymore because he changed the plug to a three-prong plug. The ground switch now also acts as a a power up or down. Okay. And then the the other thing is um, someone in, introduced a master volume on that amp. It wasn't born with it, so he took that and switched it into the uh, the negative. It's something called negative feedback, which is the way he explained it to me is. Uh, it's this when you're when you're playing the amp and it's it's really loud. It, some of the frequencies start wanting to the bass might be going a little bit outside, right. And the negative feedback re- you know keeps it all. I, it's almost I guess kind of like a compressor almost. Yeah. So he switched it to that, and I just have it turned all the way up. And I, I think it's similar to a presence knob. Okay, cool. So I got all the warbles and you know everything, and so now I can when I turn it up to. About three and a half, uh, I can get that break up yeah. from, from the tubes. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, it's yeah. still um, hard to not go in there by yourself and just turn the thing up. You know. Yeah. But I bought that amp when I was 19 in Springfield, Missouri for $200. You're you know? kidding? Yeah. It's a yeah, 63. Check the price on it now. Blackface 63. God, yeah. Man, wow. Yeah.
0: That's so here's so cool. the question of the day. You and the drummer have been there from the beginning mm-hmm. whose band is
1: it <laughs> <laughs> whose band is it it's our band okay it's our band. that is a very good diplomatic answer it's it's our man you know you have to have somebody who kind of steers the ship you know and that's probably me you know and and um but where i'm not i i'm not like the band dictator or anything like that but um you gotta have somebody who's kind of in that in that role right. yeah there's
2: always a driving force behind it yeah you know and sometimes it's hard to pick out apparently who it's do. a shared thing and you know? it's absolutely you know, like with absolutely. acdc you would have never thought it was malcolm he's standing in the back he's quiet he's just playing rhythm i know you'd never think he was the driving right. force behind that right band. Yeah, you think
0: for sure it's that little monkey out there in the shorts with the hat. Yeah, you gotta be. <laughs> yeah. And Malcolm
2: wrote you know, all the riffs, yeah. right? I think yeah, he Ma- wrote all he most wrote of most, the songs. Have you tried to play a, a lot of ACDC? We
1: did. That's <laughs> funny you brought that up. We did one ACDC song. It was Back in Black, but we did it as a reggae. Really, we went back and forth. Yeah, you know, I can cool. see how you can work. like that. That's cool. Man. We and, yeah, back and forth in the same song with as a reggae. Wow we I, we don't do it anymore though greg kind of decided we weren't it wasn't good enough but yeah it was i fun.
2: i in my infinite wisdom come in here you know turn the stereo on start jamming i'm like man that song's got to be easy to play you know it's dun 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 i mean it's it's simple mm-hmm. you know <laughs> try it out i i don't know what they do with their chords it's like they're playing half the chord you know almost like a half I don't the know. cord and
0: they're getting a jangly yeah, effect out of it somehow. Yeah, yeah. And, Oh yeah. And,
2: and Malcolm was just a freaking genius yeah. man. Just a genius. They would ah, just man. turn
1: their amps all the way up when they recorded it too. It wasn't any big secret. Just right. turn them all the way up. 11 yeah. every time. Yeah.
2: And then Angus was just I, me, that dude was a madman. You know let he me, was me, a child me. prodigy. He, he was, yeah,
1: really? he was, uh, he was known as a, you know, as, as a very young age, being a brilliant guitar player. You ever and, seen his hands? Tiny. Yeah, they're really small. Fucking tiny. I've learned. His guitar is bigger than he was. Just from that one song we did Back in Black. A lot of excuses right out of the water. <laughs> I know. This sweet picking kind of thing he does. Yeah. I never knew how to do that. Never thought about it until that song, Back in Black. Yeah. That guy's brilliant. One of oh, the best yeah. concerts I ever saw was them in the Summit.
0: Angus, on his wireless guitar, jumps on one of the staff's shoulders and goes around the summit with a crowd of you yeah, know people to yeah, keep him yeah. off of it. I think I might have been there. Nirvana! Oh, my God. It went all the way around. He's just burning it up oh, yeah. the whole way. Was that when yeah. King's
1: X opened for him? Do you remember?
0: May have been. It was about 90... Three,
1: I bet it was King's right. X went on tour with, with ACDC, and we were there at the concert at the summit. Uh huh. And I remember because after King's X played, we had backstage passes, uh, my wife and I, my then wife, um, right back in the early 90s. So, anyway, we go backstage and we're going to find King's X, and we're walking down this hallway, and these four guys walk past us, you know, going the other direction, didn't even think anything about them. And I was like, wait a minute, and I turned around. <laughs> So, wow, that's the band. So they were all about this. Song. Yeah, yeah They're right. like three feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> what, two, two foot that? two. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: I've been looking for a bagpipe player, and I want to do "Long Way to the Top." Oh, man, dude. I love that song. Mm.
2: Have you Have you ever been next to a bagpipe player? No. Okay, so my wife's on the fireboard. Hard on the ears. Oh, dude, <laughs> my wife's on the fireboard, and one of the firemen died or something or there was something going on or what it was, but we were at a funeral. And so this dude steps out and I'm in the, in the very front pew on the right hand side. He steps out like six feet in front of me. He pulls out this bag. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be cool. As soon as he fired that thing up, I thought I was going to die. Really? <laughs> yeah. I know wow. I can't have kids because of that.
0: So, like I mean, somebody raping a goose? <laughs> or oh, something.
2: it was the loud. <laughs> a I mean, monkey and, trying to fight football. Been, <laughs> <laughs> and I've been to a super, <laughs> super tramp concert where the music actually hurt your bones. Yeah. It was that loud? Yeah. And this was louder. I I saw Zeppelin in 77. I never knew that. Oh, my God. So it
1: fills up. It's like a big uh, pouch with air, right? It fills up with air. I'm not really sure how they make that thing
2: go, but once they start blowing that thing, you want to kill yourself. (laughs) If you're close enough, you really do. That thing is so loud. Mm. It's like, damn. One thing I remember about that concert,
0: there was no drinking, no beer sales. mm. I think by request of the band, there won't be any alcohol sales. And I remember how pissed off i was especially when they broke
1: out with have a drink on me (laughs) i I wish i could you sons of bitches well they they would i read that they would travel when they were on tour they would have this backstage they would have this whole like a pub that was set up and they would sit in the pub and have a few beers before they went on i just read this well they would fully construct this maybe
0: it was a summit thing or a venue thing or something but there was no alcohol sales Mm.
1: Yeah. If I'd have known that, I'd have brought a flask in. Yeah. That would have been a rough concert. <laughs> you know, I remember seeing uh, Guns N' Roses around that time and Van Halen with Sammy Hagar. And I love Van Halen with Sammy Hagar. Unabashed- unabashedly. But I, w- I was never actually a much of a Guns N' Roses fan. But when I saw Guns N' Roses, what really struck me is that Axl Rose, as soon as he was done singing, he was off the stage. And he would only come back for seemingly for his singing parts, and of course that, that was back when he would wait an hour and a half, you know, to get his mind. He'd make make twenty thousand people wait an hour yeah, on him. Yeah. But anyway, they he just seemed totally uninterested in being there. And then I saw Van Halen a month later, same show, same venue, and I was really struck by how much they were. Sammy Hagar went out of his way to say how humble they were, and it was a privilege and a pleasure, and they were really oh, yeah. happy to be there. And, you know, they, they seemed like they really appreciated the people there. Right. I'll never forget that. The Dungeons & Roses was had, completely different.
0: After he's after uh, uh, Sammy finished up with Van Hagar, or whatever you want to call him, they had what they call chicken foot. Yep, and yep. he brought michael oh, anthony yeah. along on bass yeah. and i went Chicken and saw that's good yeah. fantastic yeah. yeah, great show and very humble and he's a hometown boy too so
1: yeah who Sa- uh, sammy hagar he's from where he's from houston i believe he is i know he's from texas oh, i think he's I didn't houston. Know that huh. really yeah i like sammy hagar yeah he's good and I, I for my money when he joined van halen they became more musical You know, he's he's clearly a better singer than, in in my view, uh, than David Lee Roth. But I think they went to some musical areas that they couldn't have before. I thought he was great. I I agree. uh, I
0: love Van Halen and Van Hagar, and people can't accept
1: that. You you got to pick
0: one. No, I don't. I like them both. (laughs) I
1: love them both, too. You know, the first couple of Van Halen albums were hard to beat. By any any standard, groundbreaking for yeah. sure. Yeah, but the only, the other thing is, every time I, I've seen him with David Lee Roth, a couple of two or three times, and the the guy can't sing. <laughs> I don't think he could sing. He, he he didn't even attempt to hit the melodies that were on the record. He had a
0: style. It was a great scream. Yeah, he was a I showman. Got,
1: yeah,
2: he had, he had a good show. He was a you showman. That was
0: his thing. Yeah, was was his thing. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I read that. You remember Ted Templeman? the, the he was a producer who produced uh, Van Halen's uh, up until like 5150, and a lot of acts in the 70s. Great book, by the way. Fantastic. He produced Van Morrison, Linda Ronstadt, um, all those guys. But he said in the, when they would record Van Halen, uh, they would do all the basic tracks together with David Lee Ross singing. And then... Uh, the band would go home, and then they'd be there the rest of the night to fix all the vocals or to redo all the vocals. And oh yeah, like it was a real process. <laughs> really? Yeah. But he he spoke very well of David Lee Roth in this, as far as his lyrics and and things like that. He also read in that book that you remember that song "I'll Wait." Oh yeah, wait till you there. yeah, it's way yeah. up there. Yeah. Song. So they're in the studio, and David Lee Roth is having trouble coming up with some. The right lyrics and the right melodies for that song, so um, Ted Templeman knew Michael McDonald because he had produced him in the Doobie <clears throat> Brothers. Mm-hmm. So he brought Michael McDonald in, and he sat down with David Lee Roth, and they went through the whole thing and worked it out. And he added all this stuff, and then they recorded it. And then he stiffed him on the royalties. Mm. Totally didn't give him any credit, in no any, financially or otherwise. <laughs>
0: Thanks for your time and your help and your creating this
1: yeah yeah don't know you anymore yeah too bad yeah i love i love me some mike uh michael mcdonald too yeah, michael i'm not a big McDonald's fan of his no i'm
0: sure he's a great guy and a, and a musical genius but when he was singing with Dibby brothers it was like get this really? guy out of here he's really? depressing me man get that other dude on the china grove guy what's his name <laughs> god taking it to the streets i'm taking it the hell out of here
1: oh
3: yeah
1: you know that was written co-written with kenny loggins who was i've
2: never been a kenny loggins fan oh really yeah
1: he's got some good songs his there's a version of his him doing that song it's significantly different
2: Hmm. yeah i would imagine it would be yeah
1: Yeah. Hmm. yeah well i noticed that you brought your guitar today
0: what are you gonna do with it uh, let's at least
2: take a look at this thing, man. You told I'm me it came out of the custom shop. Okay. Yeah, let's let's uh, check it out. Go ahead and uh, pop that thing out. Uh, all right. So you're not playing with the pick, dude? I'm playing with the pick. I'm not that pick. Not what Joe are, Bonamassa's yeah, pick. Play with Joe Bonamassa's pick,
0: man. No, no, that's that's occupies a place of reverence for me.
1: So this is my. um, This is based on a. It's a custom shop. Fend- it's a Fender Custom, custom Shop. It's. um... Uh, a replica of a '61 Strat. I Love it. I like it. This pickup here is the uh, the Billy Gibbons. Uh, it's a humbucker. Yeah. Um, in the single coil. But these are uh, regular stock '61. And you had, had that particular about three years.
2: So you mainly play with that rear,
1: that no, rear pickup. I, that's a. Um, or does it just depend on the song? It it depends on the song. And it interestingly, I. Um, when I first got my back to my sixty three Super Reverb, I uh, I had a we played a gig some fifteen years ago at the Continental Club, and they have a, their their back line is a Fender Super Reverb and yeah. I plugged into that amp, and I was like, Oh my god, that amp doesn't sound anything like this. It sounded so good, and I had taken it somewhere, and I kept trying to get it figured out what was going on, and never the guy gave up on trying to get it figured out. And back to Mike Freitas, my amp guru, he figured out that there's this strange... It's a real thing. It's this phenomenon. It's called tin whiskers. And it's when uh, some kind of a metal or tin object starts forming like a little stalactite almost. You're one of those okay. things. And it goes out and it grounds and it's short. It touches another piece of metal or something. It's really bizarre. Mm-hmm. But that was what was going on with the base pod in that amp. So anyway, when he figured all this out... And it was it. in the amp. It was in the amp. Oh, not in the pickup. Nope, not the pickup. Wow. When he okay. figured this out and got it fixed, I took it home and I plugged in my my older Strat, the 73. I had never, ever, ever played the neck pickup or the middle pickup ever before. It was yeah. always the humbucker. And when I plugged it in after he fixed it, I was like, oh my God, right. I didn't <laughs> know that neck pickup sounded like this. And then I heard that quintessential Fender you know sound yeah. you know with a strap you know, yeah. single yeah. coil pickup and an amp cranked up um yeah, yeah. so so <clears throat> that got restored my faith in the other pickup so now i play all of them cool. i play like on blue, i'm blue on black when we play that yeah i play the neck pickup so are you three position or five on yours it's five. It's a five. I yeah. rarely play that. You know the the the, the in between. Yeah. That everybody yeah, talks face, about. Yeah. I almost never play it. Right. The only time I ever play that is on "Fast as You," the Dwight Yoakam song. <laughs>
2: yeah. It took me forever to get that riff down, and I mean it just it's just a tough riff for some reason. Yeah. I got Small hands. It's a tough riff. Yeah. So it took me forever to get it down. So I dropped the guitar to do this podcasting thing. I haven't played it in a long time last night and i was thinking about your set list and i said Pastor G I said, i got that no way i was like duh, duh, duh. uh yeah i mean i tried for maybe 20 minutes so i was like damn it i should never let it go <laughs> you know because it's not like riding a bike i mean it's this is use it or lose it mm-hmm. especially with a song like that dwight yokum's another guy that's you know he's a great guitar player and he's underrated yeah you know yeah. he comes up with great stuff
1: i i've understand that he's he's from california and then the california's Country music is a little different than the Tennessee country. Yeah, I don't really he, know about. A he's lot a flashy of that. dude. Yeah. You know. Oh, remember Sling Blade? Oh yeah, he was great in that. Movie. Yeah. Oh. It oh I wanted to beat his ass in Sling Blade. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> did. Yeah. And yeah. well, he got his worse yeah. than that at the end of the movie. Yeah,
2: he's had a couple of acting parts that he did really oh, well yeah? in. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. He's done
1: oh, yeah. Some other stuff. We also we fast as you. I guess that's the only. I was thinking we did. We do a uh, Tennessee whiskey, which is our other. Ah, Tennessee whiskey. Song. That's a good song. Easy to
2: play. Yeah, there's right. only two chords in it. Yeah, it's not. It's not tough <laughs> and you at would all. think
1: that oh, yeah. there's only two chords. It'll be easy. But y'all have to sync up and play them at the right. No, that's spots. yeah. That's a tough. Yeah, that's a yeah. tough spot. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. So, what do you think the hardest song is in your set list? I mean, one that just took you a while to nail down. Timing was rough, or maybe. I don't know, it was hard to get rhythm and, and lead together. Two
1: well, two songs come to mind. The first one was Money. Um anything Pink Floyd
2: would be to I would you know, 'cause those guys when they wrote, they were on acid. When they played, they were on acid. <laughs> you know, I think when they
1: were born yeah, they were they're like, on acid. Wish
0: you were here is really basic and, yeah. and fairly easy.
1: We, we the I, money I couldn't get it down. That um, one it and David Gilmore, he's not a shredder by any means, no. you know. Yeah. But even his leads are kind of slow, but they're yeah. but they're melodic as hell. They're but great. I believe if you're gonna play David Gilmour on those big iconic solos, you should really play it the way he did it. So yeah, it, it took me. It really took me a while to get to where I was confident on that one, and it's it's all the big high note at, in, at near the end of the song. And I have to, I can't play it on this guitar because it's it's one fret short. I have to yeah. play it on my Les Paul. But a big part of his plan is that whammy bar you know yeah um but the other one it's a fairly newer song that we've done and it's um remember let's go crazy by oh, yeah. prince yeah we do the incubus version if you've never heard it check it out it i haven't rocks heard It, it really. totally rocks. but the end of that song is a big solo guitar part you know yeah. and it's the prince you know prince is a motherfucker on the guitar there's another guy who doesn't yeah maybe doesn't he reminded me credit. so
2: much of Hendrix. Yeah, you know, just just in his compositions more than anything else. Yeah, because I mean, the guys, yeah, Yeah, amazingly. I have to
0: admit, I missed the boat on Prince until I saw. uh, I think it was a George Harrison Mm -hmm. tribute. Mm -hmm. It was like, what is that guy? Oh, I know, he's crazy. Yeah, another little dude too. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Yeah. Yeah. he's about three feet tall. Well, on
1: that song, on uh, my guitar teacher told me that he listened to the Incubus version and he said they. he, he told me this whole history about um, he said black rock guitar players they have a different set of influences than white rock guitar players and he was like if the way that he's playing this song is like a black player he said and he brought up Vernon Reed from Living Color he brought up yeah. Prince and it all started with Jimi Hendrix but he said something like a, a white guy might play this song like But the way he's playing it is like and he said even the way he's holding his pick is different. Right. And I remember noticing I saw Living Color. You ever see Living Color play? Yeah. Um God, those guys were phenomenal. Uh they were so good. And I remember noticing, you know, he plays his car real high. Yeah. But I do remember that he held his pick kinda like that. You yeah. know, not like this, but like this. Right. And he told yeah. me he could tell by listening to the recording. He's even not picking his brushing. Yeah. That he's, yeah, he's playing it kind of noisy. Yeah. Um. But the end of that solo, you know, I'm not a shredder. And Prince is totally shredding on that oh, thing. Oh, yeah. So I started out trying to play it where, like, shredding, you know, because I, I can do a couple of. You know, I can do stuff like that. Yeah. But it's not really my forte. So yeah. my, my Glenn, my guitar teacher, said. I think you should do something different. Just do like uh, you know more traditional blues licks, or do something different. So what I did is I I did Peter Frampton. Total Peter Frampton. There you so go. I just play Peter Frampton on the end of it. And, yeah. and then when I come to the end of it, I just go. Walking and then on the, the drums down. kick us yeah. in.
2: Walking it right down. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I wonder what Peter Frampton's influences were because he's out of Britain, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: I wonder. He wonder... was with a band called Spooky Tooth.
1: Humble Pie, I think. Humble yeah, Pie. Yeah. Maybe. yeah it also. was probably the biggest
0: yeah. pre solo yeah. thing. Yeah.
1: Y'all ever hear of, uh,
2: not Chicken Foot, but Chicken Shack? A group Um, called Chicken Shack?
1: It sounds familiar. Man, they
2: were awesome. Back in the 60s. Oh, yeah. Chicken Shack. Chicken Shack. Badass. One-hit wonder? Oh, no. No. Five or six albums, maybe. Really? Uh, Yeah. How did I miss that? And I can't remember the lead guitarist's name, but if you get a chance, YouTube Chicken Chicken Shack, Shack. check it out. One One word? You'll like it. Yeah. Yeah, you'll like it. Mm. Yeah. They remind me of the old Fleetwood Mac. Mm. But just had a a great, great lead guitarist. And he was also the vocalist. And he was good, man. Hell yeah. Where were they from? Britain. You know, somewhere over there. Across the pond. So where a lot of our rock and roll musicians came from mm-hmm. yeah you know well uh, yeah by I way was surprised of, the first time way of I, America first right. and then they perfected was, a lot of things I was surprised the first time I heard Jeff Beck speak I was like wow he's not from here not for sure really <laughs> <laughs> California or he something. looks a little like Nigel you know? right he it really
0: does. does. <laughs> the hair thing it nails yeah. it right I think That's they it. were looking at those early 70s dudes like him and Rod Stewart when <laughs> yeah. they sort of got that look
1: there's a bunch of bands that said they thought that movie was about them aerosmith said that metallica a bunch yeah yeah (laughs) one of the lines in that they're 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 at the hotel and uh getting ready for their gig the next day and and one of their songs comes on the radio and they get everyone hey hey," you know listen to the song and they're all like oh this is great listen to the song and then at the end of the song the dj says that was Spinal Tap residing in the Where Are They Now file. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're about it's, to play the Took next the shine right off of that. Yeah. <laughs> Stonehenge.
2: So I don't know if you guys get on Netflix too often, but there's a new documentary. And it's been out a little while. Echoes in the Canyon. Have you seen that?
1: mm
2: Oh, awesome. And it's got the guys from Crosby, Stills, Nash, and a whole bunch of those guys from back in the 60s. Neil Young's in it, I believe. Buffalo Springfield. mm hmm um, but it talks about that part of, of L.A. where all those guys got together, including, like, Frank Zappa, another great guitarist, underrated.
1: Oh, I don't um, know if he's underrated. Guitar players know him, but... Yeah, yeah guitar you know, players know he's him. He's not mentioned, like, you know, Jimmy and... Yeah,
2: he's not. He's never in that same yeah, group, and he ought to be. Because he was great. Yeah. But uh, it talks about... And it, it's just... It's a good feeling show to watch it's about maybe an hour and a half two hours but they're interviewing all these guys and the the guy that does it is uh Bob Dylan's son Jacob 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 Dylan
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh man what a, I'd watch it again I've already seen it twice mm. what's the name of that so echoes in the canyon and uh cool. yeah i'll I'll send you the link yeah do that but yeah it, it's an amazing show to watch it's worth the time and it talks about uh you know how they went to even the beach boys you know how they went to each other's house and they do drugs and do all this shit and, mm-hmm. and come up with music and 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 kind of bounce stuff off each you other. I think
0: Charlie Manson was trying to get awesome. <laughs> way into that group? You know, he was. There's all the a,
2: all the major tunes that came out of that era, yeah. It, you'll recognize every last one of them.
3: Yeah.
2: All those were a collaboration of all those people. You mm-hmm. know, uh, Mama Cass and just all those. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was and they all lived in that little neighborhood down in the canyon. Mm-hmm. It was badass. Hmm. You know? And they said that that still goes on today. That that area really? still is just the birthplace of
1: oh. of a lot of creativity. Well, shoot, you think about so, Jackson Brown, the Eagles. Jackson Brown was in it, yeah, uh, all yeah. kinds of bands.
2: I heard the Eagles came out of it. That they were the 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 band for uh, Linda Ronstadt. Yeah, for they a while. were they were really, and they just broke off told her to go get screwed, you know
0: and they got joe walsh and they really hit oh yeah i think she
1: encouraged them she was real helpful to them they were they didn't leave any on bad terms oh really yeah Yeah. i think she helped them uh get going yeah well they were a great band anyway well yeah and in the beginning before uh joe walsh was in the band they had i think his name was bernie Leedon, but there was a guy who played banjo and stuff like that Mm -hmm. you know in the beginning of the um eagles they were almost more country. Yeah, And he didn't want to... The, I think the rest of the band wanted to go into more of a rock thing. And I think he was resistant to that. And that's why they brought in Joe Walsh. I have and a story about Joe, Joe Walsh. Joe is a nut. I have a story about him. Uh, a band I played in called um, Therefore I Am. This was in the uh, 90s. And uh, Niles Flag, uh was a bass player. And he used to have a job at the... Uh, I think it's the Warwick Hotel old uh, historic hotel in in Houston in the medical center. And Joe Walsh was in town, and he was staying at the hotel. And he said he happened to work different shifts through this weekend, and he saw Joe Walsh coming in and out of the hotel at all different times, day, night, middle of the night, early morning, middle of the afternoon. He said every single time he was so fucked up. He was totally out of his mind. (laughs) People just carrying him practically every single time (laughs) he saw him that was the state he was in yeah i think when he joined the eagles there was a pretty uh pretty clear directive that he couldn't act like that or i don't know there was maybe he was already uh reformed or yeah uh, trying to but there yeah. was yeah there was yeah. some. <laughs> he's a hell of a comedian
2: too really oh yeah he's got a great sense have of you humor. seen that hmm.
0: uh youtube thing where he's uh setting up a guitar i think i have
2: it's funny as yeah. hell yeah. yeah yeah he's he's a hell of a comedian yeah. man
0: he's, he's a great. ringo star's brother-in-law too did you know that he is really
2: yep. i didn't know that either yep and that's why they're always together at the functions and stuff because they're family now see guys this podcast is a wealth of information <laughs> all this stuff that none of us <laughs> the knew. things that we yeah. know that's until right. today <laughs> so <laughs> all right um Reverb Cartel.
1: The Reverb Cartel. The Reverb now, Cartel. Now, we're not affiliated with the, uh, you know, the cartel that everybody, you know, knows about. Oh, We so have you, nothing if, to do with them.
2: Y'all don't do the beheadings or none of that? Well, That's
1: a no, shame, not man. Not anymore.
0: You've got a hell of an opportunity right now to make a bunch of money. Too bad.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no. We just want to state that clearly for the record. <laughs> yeah. All
2: right. So, Mark, you want to talk about the dates again? You had a couple of dates of their upcoming events.
0: Well, uh, I know that May 1st, they're going to be at. Uh, Dan Dan Electro is it still called Dan Electro's Guitar Guitar Bar? Bar, Yes, sir. Okay,
1: that's a little piece of history, and that's in the Heights. Yes, sir.
2: On twenty twenty fourth,
1: East twenty fourth, and And we're starting early. We're going to be playing at eight o'clock, and that's May first. I think two weeks from today, May
0: first, a Saturday. And yes, sir, they're going to throw us out at at noon. (laughs) At midnight, yes, because it's. Yeah. That's the way it is for noise, ordinance. not <laughs> it?
1: Yeah. And we have a band playing after us. We're going to play uh, a couple of sets, and we got another band coming in. It's going to uh, – because we're old. You know, We're not as young as we used to be, especially our drummer. Uh,
2: <laughs> so about 10.30 starts to wear down,
1: huh? <laughs> Man, Songs when we, get slower. He brushes out. We played three, we played three <laughs> sets at the uh, uh, Antique Festival, and the, by the third one, it, interestingly, it got really cold. So, oh, man, we're cold, stiff, tired, and old. <laughs> no, <laughs> not not us, just the drummer. But he's the only one sitting down anyway. He's actually the youngest guy <laughs> in the band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So other than that, I don't know, but... Strawberry uh,
1: Festival, uh, two weeks after that oh, in Pasadena awesome. on Friday, May uh, 14th. You haven't been there. It's going to blow you away. I can't wait. There'd can't be all kinds of
0: people with strawberries all over their face. I can't wait. Funnel cake. My all.
1: daughter is coming to that one too, and my mom and dad. Uh, cool. I want to. I should give a shout out to my mom and dad. I, I haven't mentioned them, but they've been supportive of me from the very beginning, and that counts it, for so much. Man. It, it sure it really does. does, and it, it's it's yeah. uncommon too, because I, yeah. I know a lot of musicians that never had the support of their parents, and
2: uh, yeah, like Joe Walsh. <laughs> I don't know, I'm just saying that. But what? anyway, um, yeah, it's been good. And Eric, I, I don't know how far you had to drive, but I appreciate you coming out, man. Oh, wow, it's been great. So, yeah, it's been really good. Now, how can people get in touch if they want to book you guys? If oh, I'm got glad a, you asked that. Yeah, a good um, thing coming up. Uh,
1: we ha- we're on Facebook, The Reverb Cartel. Okay. Uh, Marathon Music uh, is our booking agent. Okay. Um, and you can reach me. We're also on Instagram. All right. Uh, um and my number is 832-544-5510 uh, we're ready to play there good you go deal.
2: yeah so okay so guys we had a good time we're about halfway through the bottle i think i'm the only
1: one that's been drinking, been drinking i've been drinking i can't reach it but
0: i did have a nice full of glass <laughs>
2: uh, you want some more you ready to go okay thank you we're all adults here there you go yes, all right guys if you've subscribed to the channel in the past month, man, I really appreciate it. we busted two hundred, I think we're up to like two eighteen subscribers now, so awesome yeah we're doing okay, and I think we'll hit our goal our goal is what a thousand subscribers by the end of the year something like that be nice so yeah, we're on the way uh if you know somebody who has not subscribed and get them to check the channel out man there's always something good here, and uh we're doing all right. So, guys, I uh, look forward to seeing you in the next one. Don't know when it'll be. Don't know what it'll be. But it's going to be something good. That's for damn sure.
1: And, uh, right on.
2: Who knows? If there's any of this bottle left, maybe we'll hit it. If not, we'll find something else. They about. make more every day. There you go. All right. Well, anyway, we'll be out of here. And until the next one, we'll see you later. All right. Excellent. Thanks, Jane. All
0: right. Cool. Beautiful, man. I love that one. How
1: did yeah, I do?
2: That came out great.